Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. This is a very special week on Locked On NFL. A very special guest joining me today and every day this week. I will be talking with Peter Bukowski. He's the host of Locked On Packers. We are flexing the power of the network. Some really smart folks on the network that you hear from time to time with Matt Williamson and I. Matt Williamson on vacation. So I will have some co-hosts with me throughout the week. Today, Peter Bukowski of Locked On 49ers. Tuesday, Lucas Braun of Locked On Vikings. Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers will be joining me Wednesday. Thursday is James Rapine, host of Locked On Bengals. And your boy Q, who we just talked to uh, not too long ago, about a month ago here, uh, with Matt and I on Locked On NFL. He'll be coming back with me Friday. Always a pleasure to chat with Q, who's the host of Locked On Raiders. So it will be a fun week here. And Peter, today, what I want to begin speaking with you about, and by the way, you can find Peter on Twitter at Peter, what is your handle? Peter underscore Bukowski. That's I tried to make it easy for you, Brian. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't remember if there was the, people like to place their underscore in different spots. And I was like, ah, is the underscore at the end? Is it is it in between names? Which it should be. You did it right, first of all. Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter. You can also find his work in a number of places on the internet, SB Nations, AcmePackingCompany.com. Mm-hmm. And Packer Report, which is a 247 Sports. It's um, used to be CBS Sports. You are a football writing superstar, not only about the Packers, but about the entire league. And we, we will talk some Packers today, but we're going to talk NFL as well. Super well, you, you said we, we, you were going to flex your muscles today. I don't know how I got on oh, the no. show. No, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm, no. Uh, I have a nine-week-old, so I have a dad bod right now. No muscles to flex, but uh, we'll, we'll muddle through. Yeah, no, my son just turned two, so my uh, my muscles went right straight to the midsection. I was hoping you were going to flex the muscles. Yeah, the, the co-hosts will be doing the flexing, not me this week, if anybody is wondering. Um, there is an interesting list that's been coming out from ESPN, and the mm-hmm. thing that's interesting about it, and we see a lot of lists in the summertime, especially this summer, I think even more lists than normal just because there's no sports happening, and, and a lot of folks that cover sports are trying to figure out what the heck to write about. And what the heck to talk about Uh, with the NFL. I think we've been a little bit lucky and we'll see if that luck continues and actually training camp starts here in a couple weeks and the season actually does get going in September. I don't think anybody cares if we lose preseason games, whether it's two or all four of them. Uh, That's not a problem at all as long as football actually happens. So a little bit lucky here for the NFL side of things. But ESPN dropping a list, Jeremy Fowler's curating it, but it's not his list. It is the list of NFL executives and coaches and and front office people around the league. They're unnamed sources around the league, but they're decision makers in the NFL. And Peter, I think the big takeaway when you see any list like this and you just see the history of the NFL draft, just because you are an NFL decision maker doesn't mean you're necessarily a good decision maker, right? Yeah, that's that's uh, that was always my takeaway when I look at these lists. You know, there, you said it's not Jeremy's list. Um, he has been sort of acting as the mouthpiece. He is a, an intrepid reporter, so I'm sure he has helped put together a lot of the sourcing for these lists. And th- there was some controversy that started around the offensive line list because Mitchell Schwartz was not on the top offensive tackle list. And he has got uh, elite pressure allowed numbers, whether you want to look at uh, pro football focus or the pass rush win rate stats that ESPN puts out. He just gets the job done. And you look at someone like David Bakhtiari, obviously right in my wheelhouse, he's seventh on this list. 
And above him, someone like Trent Williams, who hasn't played in, what, almost two years. Tyron Smith, who hasn't been healthy in a couple years, at least not all the way healthy. And what Fowler said was, well, a, a lot of these evaluators and coaches care about traits. And it's like, well, okay, I get that when we're talking about draft prospects, but these guys are NFL players, Brian. They're already doing the thing. So why do we care about what they could become eventually? We care about what they are now. And guys like David Bakhtiari, guys like Mitchell Schwartz, they're ass kickers right now. And so this idea that we need to project forward seems a little silly. Plus, it doesn't make sense when you think of someone like Trent Williams, who's on the wrong side of 30, coming off a major injury. How can we project him forward and say, oh, he's this elite player? How can we project Tyron Smith forward? Given all the injuries that he has, I, I don't understand it. I get saying, okay, look, if healthy, even though we haven't seen him in a while, Trent Williams, last we saw one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL, Tyron sure. Smith as well. But you talk about Bakhtiari, who is already healthy and is already playing at a high level, and you don't have to squint, and right. you don't have to project... <laughs> But I mean, and it's not it's not like he was number three. He was number seven, too. So those aren't the only two names in front of him on the list. And right. uh, you mentioned Mitchell Swartz was a big miss there. And when it comes to traits, I get it, you know, but this isn't the draft. These these are 10 year veterans. We we know what the traits have equaled up to. So who's the best player like a tra- you're, we're still looking at traits like what are these guys looking at? I think it's how someone like Shaq Barrett doesn't end up getting a, a, you know, a big money deal in free agency the first time around or Michael Bennett. And, and we can look back at, there are a lot of players who have hit the open market in free agency, not just the draft. I mean, the draft is a crapshoot. I think it's easy to make mistakes in the draft, but once someone has an NFL resume, I mean, we see it pretty regularly. There are guys who they, for whatever reason are, are, you know, not going to continue with their team, whether they were too expensive or whatever it is. And it's just like, how does how does the rest of the league see that guy and not go, oh, yeah, that guy can play. I know he didn't run a 4-4-40 or jump 40 inches at the combine, but that dude can play. We've seen him play. And this is, again, this is how teams make mistakes. This is how teams miss on guys. And I don't think we can trust. I think one of the, the things that makes Bill Belichick unique is he can see someone you know, his thing is, is, is right. Don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. And the teams that are able to identify, this is what this guy can do and say, he's been used wrong. Teams tried to put a square peg in a round hole. I can think of a bunch of Packer examples. Micah Hyde was on the same team with Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Dom Capers didn't realize that Micah Hyde was the best free safety on his team. Casey Hayward was on the, a team with Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins and Sam Shields and Dom Capers and, and, and along with Ted Thompson did not realize that Casey Hayward was the best cornerback on that team. We can't assume that because a team is moving on from a guy that they're right about a guy and, and the teams that are able to realize that are the smart ones. And, and look, Zadaria Smith, again, in my backyard is another great example. He had great pressure rate numbers when he played in Baltimore. He was a part-time player, but he didn't have the traits. He didn't have the eye-popping physical tools. And, and Green Bay said, yeah, but we know what he can do because we've seen it in the small sample size. That's why, Brian, it doesn't make sense to me that Jadavion Clowney is still out there because he has the productivity and the traits. So explain that one to me. I, I, it seems like 
that that this is just a little bit of ass covering from from whether it's Fowler or the people voting in these lists because it just some of the stuff in here just doesn't make sense to me. Disruption equals production is one of the things that the PFF guys like to say a lot. And, yeah. and that's why they're really good at what they do. And I lean on those PFF grades for offensive line, for defensive line, because there's a lot of things you don't really see statistically and in a box score that, that shows up. And I think that's true. And some players have big sack numbers, and, and we know that sack numbers can tend to fluctuate quite a bit. And mm-hmm. Clowney is a great example. Clowney is a player that is almost like a stand-up defensive tackle he's so weird because he's so linear and he can't really turn the corner as much of an athletic freak as he is everything's explosive and in a straight line but he crushes teams and he crushes offensive drives sometimes so he's really disruptive and I don't know if it was a crazy asking price right out of the gate but somebody like Jadavian Clowney is it's insane to to think that a player who was a number one overall pick in the NFL draft and and those types of players usually get paid too much rather than too little at this point he might be a smoking bargain for a team that gets maybe a one-year contract uh, a show me deal for a player who can be that disruptive for him off the top of your head how many career sacks does Jadavion Clowney has he has five seasons of real play you know we can't really count 2014 but but starting in 2015 he's got five seasons so how many sacks would you think off the top oh how many sacks off the top um Five seasons, uh, I would say somewhere around 20, 29. Wow, he had 29 in Houston and oh, did three he? in okay. Seattle, so oh, wow. 32. That's, I'm, I'm impressed. That's, that's pretty great. I mean, you, you did get to see him the one year in, in the 49ers division, but still, that's a pretty great guy. He had nine and a half sacks in 2017 and nine in 2018, and yet I, I, he's still treated like he's not this like premier sack guy. Nine sacks is a lot of sacks for a guy as good as he is. I think there's so. some off-field like motivation questions with him, and I saw that firsthand. The, the games that the Seahawks and the 49ers played last year, the first game the Seahawks and Niners played, Joe Staley, it was his first game back from an injury, and he was not 100%, you could tell, and he got dominated, thoroughly yeah, dominated Clowney in that game by Clowney. Yeah, but Clowney only had three sacks on the season, but he disrupted that entire game on offense for the 49ers. Now, the next time, Joe Staley, I think, got the best of Clowney. And he, he it's not he disappeared in the in the second meeting, but he wasn't as disruptive. So it's really hit or miss with him, but some games he can just really take it over. And, and when you have an edge player that can, or I mean, even if you don't consider him a, a true edge because the way you, you can move him around, which is a bonus, that's so valuable right now in the NFL and having someone that can disrupt like that on the defensive line. And if you can get him on a one-year deal, you don't have to worry about sinking a long-term contract in him. If you can sign him one year for 2020, uh, I'm all about that. Yeah, I don't know why Seattle hasn't already jumped on that. I, I'm, I'm wondering about this contract thing with these lists too because this was something that I was wondering about with Aaron Jones because he didn't make the top 10 list for running backs and he's going to be one of these guys hitting the open market Next spring, theoretically, if we have an open market, if the 2021 free agents are actually 2021 free agents and not 2020 free agents redux. But if if the league says, you know, such and such a guy isn't a top flight guy, if if the league says Mitchell Schwartz is not that kind of guy, does that is that going to affect the kind of contract that they're going to get? Does that affect the kind of negotiation? Is this something a team is going to go into you know, the off season and say, well, the league kind of doesn't think my guy is, is really that great. I wonder if he'll take less money because the, the market is just not going to be there. Do you think there are 
executives out there that are that smart that are playing this and thinking, <laughs> you know what, let's rank this guy. We want to sign him. Let's rank him super low. Maybe we can drop that asking price a little bit. I don't think there's anyone playing the long game that way, but anytime you start a question with, do you think there are any executives out there smart enough to, my instinct is to say no. So that's, that's just, you know, like it's like Bill Belichick and then like maybe one or two other guys, you know, the, I think the brain trust in Baltimore is really good. I mean, there are, there are a couple, but no, I mean, this, this is something that I do think if you're an agent and, and you're Aaron Jones agent, for example, you're looking at this list going crap. Because now, now this is something that Brian Utikins can look at and go, well, then you should sign the Austin Eckler deal, Aaron Jones, because who's going to pay you? The league doesn't think you're a top 10 back. So why should you be paid? Why should we pay you like a top 10 back? And if you're not going to get the money elsewhere, you should just sign with us. I mean, I, I do think teams use stuff like this. Yes. Because I know for a fact the league uses stuff like pro football focus. And so do agents. And I've had, I, I have tweeted out stats and had agents slide into my DMs like, wait, so does that mean that, you know, my guy is X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, that, <laughs> that, that I mean, that's real. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Peter actually just crushing the entire industry of NFL front office people, by the way, <laughs> on this episode of Locked On NFL. <laughs> Peter, there might be some listeners out there that are accusing you of being a Packers homer, listening to you talk about maybe some players that need to be ranked higher here. So I want to give you an opportunity to address that. Let's talk specifically about a couple of players who maybe came in a little bit low, which I agree, by the way, with you. Uh, if you're talking about David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams on this ESPN executive list, let's get into that next. We'll talk a little bit more Packers and uh, some other issues around the NFL. But first, we've got to tell the fine folks about rockauto.com. Peter, one of the things Matt and I have done is reminisce about our old cars we used to drive. I had a 72 Ford Ranchero, which is essentially the Ford version of an El Camino. It's a car in the, like almost like a muscle car in the front yeah, and a truck in the back. Yeah. I loved this car. It was called the Purple Haze. It was weird purple color until I crashed it and we had to repaint it. Uh, but that's another story. But uh, I was blown away how many parts are at rockauto.com with this vehicle. What car did teenage peter bukowski drive i had a 1987 volvo 240 dl with a, a crank top sunroof and it was the height of luxury to have a crank oh. top sunroof and uh as as you did i crashed it within a month not my oh, fault no. but it did happen and mr and mrs bukowski cared about your safety they went with a volvo there that was a exactly. wise choice it was it was smart obviously they knew that i was going to crash it <laughs> 87 volvos Parts are available at rockauto.com. An unbelievable selection at rockauto.com. Anything you need from brake parts, a new tailgate, engine parts, motor oil. I wonder if you could get a crank for that sunroof. I hope so. That's a pretty amazing feature, the crank sunroof, because then you don't have any electronics that can go bad. I I loved it. it. I really did. I thought it was great. It took me like 30 seconds to open it all the way, but I still thought it was great. (laughs) That can be the job for the person riding shotguns. Like, who wants to work the roof today? (laughs) Reliably low prices, an amazing selection, all the parts your car or truck could ever need. Let them know you found rockauto.com on the Locked On Podcast Network. All the parts your car or truck could ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Peter, there are some listeners out there that are like, oh, whatever, this guy covers the Packers, and he thinks, boo-hoo, David Bakhtiari's too low, Devontae Adams is too low. So Bakhtiari was ranked, what, seventh on the offensive tackle list by these executives? Make your case what spot he should be in 
and why he should be ahead of some of the six players ahead of him? Well, I mean, look, for my money, he's the best offensive tackle in football. So, I mean, it, it, it is hard for me not to sound like a homer here because I, it's just the reality of the situation to me. I think he is the best left tackle in the league. He is consistently one of the top pass-blocking offensive linemen in football over the last five years, um, and, and the pro football focus numbers bear that out. I actually think that some of his numbers get dinged a little bit because Rodgers moves in the pocket so much. And he ends up getting, you know, dinged for stuff that's not really his fault, that that Rodgers is not hitting the top of his drop and getting the ball out. And so he might get, you know, uh, you know, a demerit for a pressure that isn't really a pressure because the ball didn't get out in time. When you ask the other guys in in the NFC North and you ask the other guys in the NFC, who is the guy that they don't want to go up against? He is consistently a name that comes up because he is just a brawler. And, and that was moving on from the offensive line part of this, because I don't know how many listeners want to do 20 minutes of offensive line play stuff. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you and I would, that's great for us. That's heaven for us. Um, the Devonte Adams discussion was also a, a situation where I, I felt like he was too low and you have someone like Darius Slay who came on locked on Packers and said the toughest guy in the league to cover is Devonte Adams. And there was a quote in the ESPN story that he was the toughest guy, the guy that he that that this defensive back hated up going up against the most. Stephon Gilmore, who is basically unanimously the best cornerback in football, said that Devontae Adams is the toughest guy at the line of scrimmage to handle. I don't know what it what it's going to take, and I I have a suspicion that it's because of Aaron Rodgers that he's not getting the credit he deserves. Alan Lazard went on the Adam Lefko podcast earlier this offseason and said Devontae Adams doesn't get credit for a lot of stuff because Aaron Rodgers does, and it should be the other way around. I don't know how that changes. Unfortunately, I, the, the reality is I think the only way it changes is if Devontae Adams stays Devontae Adams when Aaron Rodgers is no longer the quarterback. And and frankly, that might be sooner than a lot of your listeners realize. Oh, 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 oh okay, okay. Well, we've got to go down this avenue then. Okay, so the Packers, obviously, everybody knows that they drafted a quarterback in round one in 2020, Jordan Love. Out of I had heard that. And yeah, it's uh, it's big news. Uh, you should have uh, you should have probably done a should thousand podcasts or written a thousand <laughs> articles about this so far. I'm surprised you haven't heard it. That's big news when you have a future Hall of Famer currently at quarterback who's not done in Aaron Rodgers. This was my take when I saw it happen. It's like, oh, you know, fine. You like this quarterback. And, and some people have drawn the conclusion, look, Aaron Rodgers should be cool with this because he was that guy. Brett Favre was around in Green Bay and the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. And that was weird for a couple of years and turned out great because you had a Hall of Famer handed off to another Hall of Famer. Here's where I think this differs. First of all, they... Aaron Rodgers was not supposed to be there at pick, I believe, 24 in 2005 and just fell in their lap. And they were literally calling other teams. And like, what did we miss? Why is Aaron Rodgers not drafted yet? Is there something we don't know? They drafted the guy who fell in their lap. This time, they traded up to get a quarterback who I didn't personally. And look, you can take my rankings for what you want. But maybe if he's still there at 30, I'd have been like, eh, okay, maybe he was the best player on your board and you go for it. But they actually traded it up to get him. And... The big problem for me with Green Bay in all of this, and I say it's a problem because you create this whirlwind, right? You create this media perception. You create this every time Aaron Rodgers steps to the podium, he's going to get asked about it. Every time Jordan Love is at a podium, even though he probably won't be at a podium very often because he's a backup quarterback and a, and a rookie, 
he'll be asked about it. The coaching staff and GMs will be asked about it. Every time Rodgers has a bad game, oh, look, we have this first-round pick we just drafted. And I just think it's going to be such a big deal, it will make the change happen maybe sooner than on paper they thought when you get some, again, front office people doing things in, in, in their own little world, Oh, yeah. Hey, two, three years. That's OK. We'll have Jordan Love. We'll have his fifth year option if we want. In three years, we can move on from it. And then as soon as you make the pick, it's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, th- you can't just sit here and draft a first round quarterback and wait three years and not have to deal with everything else in between. So is everybody going to be cool with everything else that does happen in between every week between now and whenever Jordan Love takes over? Or do you think that this will actually end? And it sounds like you think that maybe Aaron Rodgers will play somewhere else sooner than most people expect. A lot to unpack there, that right? That was the and longest question is, in history. I don't even know if that I've was been. technically a question, but uh, yeah, take no, whatever part of that you want. No, so there, there is obviously a lot in there, and and obviously I was joking, and I've spent a lot of uh, oxygen on this topic on my show, but when you when you think about just the personalities, as you said, if there's anyone who has to at least outwardly act like he's okay with all of this, it's Aaron Rodgers precisely because he was treated so poorly by Packer fans when that pick was made. If there's anyone who in his heart of hearts would not want Jordan Love to face that sort of vitriol, it's Aaron Rodgers because he faced it. And I don't think he's the kind of guy, and by all accounts, he is not the kind of guy who would want Jordan Love to face it because he did. He's not um, you know, vindictive in that way. He, he takes slights personally, but I don't think he will take it out on love per se. Um, and, and he has said that we have, we have heard from people close to him that, that we don't think that will happen. Now your question about, is this going to be a topic of conversation? It's already obviously been a huge topic of conversation at the offseason press conferences. If you're the Packers, what you're saying is, well, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. And if it were not Aaron Rodgers, you know, if you draft Blake Bortles and Chad Henney is your quarterback and Chad Henney has a bad game, yeah, the, the media is going to ask, hey, is it time to, to start Bortles? And there's a reason that that Blake got a chance to start early in his career. Same with guys like Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater. These were players that were drafted with the idea that they would sit, but they were drafted to sit behind guys who weren't very good. And even if you think Aaron Rodgers is a diminished version of himself, and and I do, he's still Aaron Rodgers. And we saw in the playoff game against Seattle what he is capable of when he is right. You still want him, you know, wherever you think he belongs on these lists. He was third on the ESPN list. In a playoff game, it's hard to have him outside the top five of, of quarterbacks that you would want in those spots. And if you're the Packers, you think in the next two years you're going to be competing for those playoff spots the the Super Bowl is is what this team thinks they're capable of doing in the short term now what I think is interesting Andrew Brandt who was in the Packers front office when they drafted Aaron Rodgers wrote a piece for the MMQB saying Aaron Rodgers his window is two years max and he's out and after 2021 the Packers it's 17 million in dead cap after that um it, it's uh it, it's like two million now there is a case that after after this upcoming season, that in 2021, they could say, if it's an uncapped year, for example, we don't know what's going to happen. It's $31 million in dead cap. But they would save money. They'd save about $5 million if they traded him, let's say, for example. And then you're, you're done. 
And in total, you're spending less money than you would have with Rodgers on the roster because you have Jordan Love on that rookie contract. You get Love in 2021 on that rookie deal. And then in year two, 2022, now you have Love on a rookie contract and 30 plus million in space. And it would have been 40 if Rodgers was on the roster that that you have now to sign other players to go the, the Dak Prescott model or the Patrick Mahomes model, assuming, of course, that Jordan Love is good. This all assumes Jordan Love is good. So if if the Packers think that that's the way to go, if Love impresses in training camp and in, and in practice and running the scout team and, and the, the snaps he inevitably gets on the field, then I, I don't think it's crazy that it could be next offseason that he takes the reins. And I think the, the year after that, it's 2022 at the absolute latest. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, more on that coming up with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. I've got an angle to this Aaron Rodgers thing that nobody's talking about that I think is the number one reason why it could accidentally work out great for Green Bay. This could take over the rest of the podcast, and I do want to talk about the rest of the Packers team and the division of the NFC North. But Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, this is such an important topic. One thing nobody's talking about is, I'll put it to you this way, was it worth, say, a first-round draft pick if you mentioned, I mean, all of the greats, there's something different about them, what drives them. Is it worth a really high draft pick, even a first-round draft pick, even if Jordan Love doesn't turn out to be that good? If it pushes Aaron Rodgers to go ballistic and reach a level that he might not have reached just competitively in 2020 and maybe 2021, depending on how long Aaron Rodgers sticks around, is it worth it? I mean, those, I think those questions are, are, are so difficult to answer, but do I think that there is a, a benefit to that? I mean, obviously. And I, I don't think the Packers made the pick with that in mind. I think they made the pick because they absolutely love the player. Absolutely love Jordan Love. And, and that's not even me trying to be punny. That's just the reality. And, and you can go back to Matt LaFleur was asked at the Combine, um, you know, would they take a quarterback? And even before that, Brian Gutekinds had said they would. And Matt LaFleur said they would if if they felt that there was someone worth taking, obviously. And, that, and they didn't just say, yeah, we're taking a quarterback. And Matt LaFleur was asked, okay, what does that quarterback look like? And he proceeded to give a scouting report of a theoretical player that ends up reading exactly like the strengths list of Jordan Love. And when they took Jordan Love, that was the first thing I thought of. And then when they start talking about the things that they like about him, they're listing all the same things in all the same ways. And it made me think they, they might've known in February, they might've known a long time ago. And we actually found out after the draft last year that the Packers had zeroed in on Rashawn Gary in February, that they had fallen in love with him. And, and I think it's not, at, it's not at all unlikely. And, and the way a, a person in normal English would say is that it is very likely uh, that, that the Packers, they, they they liked Jordan Love all along. And, you know, they they were calling coaches in, early in the year, in the middle of the season, the, the college season, to say, hey, what's the deal here? I think they they wanted um, to, to, to get a quarterback that is the future. They felt like it was love. And when you, when you look at the talent, just the pure talent, it's hard to find a, a comparable guy over the last few years other than, someone like Mahomes in terms of just pure, raw, sexy arm talent. I mean, the stuff that this guy can do is really impressive. It's it's about can you coach him? 
Can you get him cleaned up in terms of fundamentals? Can you get him seeing the field the way an NFL quarterback needs to? And if you can, it, it's going to be the kind of thing where, you know, Bears fans, Lions fans, Vikings fans are going, they did it again? Seriously? Is Aaron Rodgers going to end up playing, though, for one of those teams, a la Brett Favre, going to play for the Minnesota Vikings is a question uh, that I'm sure comes up a lot with Packers fans. I don't yeah. know if their hearts can handle another one of those. And along those same lines, with the competitive nature of Aaron Rodgers, do you think when Rodgers goes, and it seems like that could be very soon, is it because he's like, okay, look, you want to draft a quarterback? Watch. goes Does this thing in 2020. He's like, okay, I want out now. Like, go do your thing. You you made your choice. You know, that competitive nature, that chip on his shoulder. Do you think it's Aaron Rodgers that forces his way out first or that the Packers say, okay, we want to move you here? It's tough. I, I think when he said, he was asked and he gave a very uh, honest answer, I thought, when he said, you know, my intention was to finish my career here. And when the Packers drafted a quarterback, it became obvious to me that it would not be my decision whether or not um, I finished my career here, that it was going to be the team's decision. And that, that I think that was, if anything hurt him or if anything made him mad or frustrated or whatever, I think it was that. I think he wanted, he felt like he had earned the right to go out on his own terms. Do I think he'd force his way out? No, because he saw how ugly it got for Brett Favre when, when he did that. And he has said on and off the record over the years that he doesn't want to do that. That he doesn't want that for his legacy. He cares deeply about his legacy and, and history. And I I don't think he would go to Minnesota or Chicago or a place like that. Um, I have I have actually heard from a couple people whether or not they they are are saying, oh, this is this is you know what I'm hearing he wants to do. I've just had a couple people around the league suggest that there may be a Venn diagram on this particular podcast of teams that Aaron Rodgers plays for <laughs> over the course of his career. Uh, 49ers fans have had it really weird watching players that grew up 49ers fans go be superstars elsewhere. And with the Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that was the hard one because that was the one that they messed up and they should have drafted Rodgers in the first place. And you know, about half of the fans thought that Rodgers should have been the pick back then anyway. But I know as soon as it comes time for Aaron Rodgers to leave Green Bay, the 49ers are going to be one of those number one teams that gets talked about a lot, whether it's real or just smoke. The fantasy football community would get mad, Peter, and we're almost out of time here. If I didn't ask you about the other pass catchers in Green Bay and mm -hmm. who's going to be, obviously, Devontae Adams will be doing Devontae Adams things if he's healthy in 2020. Who's going to get the second most targets in that offense? I think for fantasy purposes, the second most productive pass catcher on the team is going to be Aaron Jones. That's not super helpful to your question. I think if you're looking for someone who who you want to who is probably going to outperform uh, where they're being selected, I think you know there is some buzz for Alan Lazard, and I do think he's going to have a nice season. But I, I think he's unlikely to vastly outperform you know his ADP. I think he's going to be a popular sleeper for a lot of people. He's already on some of the lists. I think the guy that that I would target, especially because this position is such a crapshoot and you can probably get him at the end of your draft is Jay Sternberger. I think he's going to be the guy who gets a lot of the middle of the field targets, a lot of the red zone targets. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he has one of those like some all of a sudden every year there's a tight end that has like an eight touchdown, 10 touchdown season. And you're like, wait, who is this guy? 
I think that could be Jay Sternberger this year just because of the fact that they don't really have anyone else. It's got to be him. And Matt LaFleur has already said, you know, we want you to split out more, um, you know, play in the slot a little bit more. So that would be the guy if you're looking for a player to outperform where they're being drafted on average right now. That's the guy to me because you can get such good value late in your draft. What's with all the six, five wide receivers? It seems like the league's getting faster and smaller at wide receiver. Green Bay brought in Devin Funches when they already brought in Alan Lazard before that and drafted Marquez Valdez-Scantling and a guy that I was hoping you were just going to mention as a sleeper in Equinemius St. Brown and sort of make me feel better about my pre-draft ranking of him. What's the thing there? I love EQ, and I said on my show that I will not be surprised if he ends up getting the second most targets on the team by the end of the year. Okay, boom. So, I like it. There we go. As a as a deep, deep sleeper, I wouldn't draft EQ, but you know, if all of a sudden he's he's you know, it's something to monitor in training camp. If all of a sudden he's running ahead of Devin Funches and he's like wide receiver three and playing the big slot position, then yeah, just pick him up off the waiver wire. Whoever your backup receiver is, just doesn't have the upside that he does. He's so talented. I I, I love the talent. So I'm with you on that one. Real quick, last one on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Rashawn Gary, and you also mentioned something that I want to call back from earlier in the episode about how sometimes teams play some roster politics or it takes a little bit too long for them to realize that who the best players on their roster are. Do you think Rashawn Gary will get more playing time because he was that first-round draft pick? Because to me, I don't see how you can put him on the field ahead of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith coming off the edge because he just, and and this is part of me being biased because I had some misgivings about Rashawn Gary as a prospect mm. before that draft. And I just feel like right now, where you does and he, me both. Where, okay, good. So yeah, where does he fit into the lineup there? And is he going to get more playing time than maybe he should? He, well, he's going to get more playing time, whether he should or shouldn't is, is, you know, I, I think based on who their options are. Rashawn Gary was drafted to be this. And when you look last year, the, the number one formation that Mike Patton used defensively in terms of deploying personnel was um, a, a dime look where it was one defensive lineman and and four linebackers, and it was one middle linebacker, three outside linebackers. He just wants to put war daddies on the field. He just wants to put pass rushers on the field. And last year, it was Kyler Fackrell who was playing a lot of those snaps Rashawn Gary, I think, played less than 20% of snaps last year, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to see something closer to 40 45% this year, and it's not going to take Sidarius and Preston Smith off the field because Mike Patton plays those guys together so often. Jair Alexander, it was like two different seasons for him. He started off the year as like, okay, here it is. This is the next great cornerback in the NFL. And then the second half of the season, he didn't seem like the same guy. Why was he worse in the second half of the year? And do you think we're going to see more of the guy we saw at the very beginning of the year that could be one of the league's best? You know, it's hard to pinpoint. Um, and, I, and I've been meaning to go back and study it. But I, like I said, I have a nine-week-old. So uh, it's not something that I've been able to really get to. I think it, there were a number of factors um, and and one is just teams started to attack the Packers defense differently as a whole. I think the fact that um, Darnell Savage was hurt for a couple games and they had to play Will Redman affected what they were doing. The, the weird thing about this defense is Jair Alexander and Kevin King, the two starting corners on the outside, are not ideally suited to play the same kinds of coverage. So I think Mike Patton is always sort of caught between, all right, which guy am I? Am I tilting toward and, and you know, what is the rest of the situation call for? Um, so I, I'm interested to see how a change at linebacker affects this. And I know that's that seems like a weird thing to say, but 
they had to do so much accounting for Blake Martinez's inabilities and coverage and, and his lack of range that getting someone like Christian Kirksey, who has more of that range, could allow them to play a little bit more zone, which I think is where where Jair really shines. He is just a playmaker, instinctive. Let him play with with um, you know his his eyes at the quarterback and and go make plays on the ball. He's been a league leader in in plays on the ball in basically since he walked into the NFL. It's a cool stat that Pro Football Focus tracks. He contests everything in his area, so I, I still think the sky's the limit for him. They love him. So we'll we'll see if if they can put it all together. Remember, this is this is a defense that didn't get to play together. You have two brand new safeties to the system. Kevin King is his first time starting more than eight games, and uh, you know Tremont Williams really the only constant with Jair Alexander. So maybe in year two he can take that step. That is Peter Bukowski. He is the host of Locked On Packers. You can find him on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Congratulations on being a new dad, and hopefully there is football this November, so uh, I can talk to you again before the 49ers beat the Packers one more time. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to pay for daycare, so if we could have an NFL season, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Be back tomorrow, staying in the NFC North, chatting with Lucas Braun, the host of Locked on Vikings. What's going on in Minnesota and throughout the rest of the league right here, Locked on NFL.